Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwine podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, and today I've got another lovely guest on with me. His name is Hunt Etheridge. That sounds like a very nice American name, Hunt, <laughs> if I may say so. It's, uh, it goes even back further. It's Edward Huntington Etheridge IV, so it's it's got some old country flavour to it. Well, very welcome to the Hearts Entwine podcast. It's lovely to have you on here as a very welcome guest and especially one that's going to be giving lots of hints tips and discussions around helping men because that's not something I've been able to um, get many episodes out around um, you know specifically around the focus and help for men so I'm delighted that you're going to be able to fill a bit of a gap there for me. I'm happy to do it as well too as you and I you know discussed we know that men need a lot of help sometimes but it's also helpful to understand the type of advice that men are getting as women you want to know where they're going to be coming from as well too so i think it'll be helpful for for both sexes excellent so what i'd like to start off with then hun is how did you actually end up getting into this particular industry have you got any sort of relationship history or disasters or experience that sort of led you towards this path i actually got into this industry because of my therapist I was going to her for various and sundries about 13 years ago or so, and I don't necessarily remember everything that we were talking about in our sessions, um, but she told me at one point, the men that come in here are broken and I can fix them, but the thing that they want the most is to have a woman by their side and I can't help them with that. You know more about this than anybody I've ever met. You need to figure out a way to monetize this, and the minute you do, I'll refer all of my patients to you. Wow, that's yeah. great. <laughs> that, was, that was, I mean, that, I mean, three resounding pats on the back from a female psychoanalyst, you know, was, was the impetus, at least, that started the research. Do I know more? Uh, is there a need for this? Is it teachable? How do you break it down? Um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, obviously, realized, yes, that there is a need. Um, the, the teaching and the breaking down part of it was, was what I've been doing for the last 12 years, making it. Uh, easy and accessible to it. As far as my own personal relationships and stuff, I I mean, I grew up uh, in high school. I was a big dork, model United Nations, audiovisual club, uh, drama, indefinite, you know, got shoved in lockers, definitely wasn't, uh, you know, top of the food chain socially, so to speak. Um, but I'd always loved people in general. Uh, it just happened to be that half, the, half of people are, are women. So I just like to talk to them and get to know them. And I, the same therapist told me that I have boundary issues and that I have none. I tend to be <laughs> a bit of an oversharer, not even a bit, I'm an oversharer. Um, but one of the things that I found out about that is when you overshare or when you don't have inhibitions, it allows the people around you to be comfortable, open up themselves and be comfortable. So I found it, it actually worked well in my coaching. Definitely. I think because women are, are actually more like that, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And the men need to see that you can fail 
and that you can show them how to succeed without it being rocket science. Yeah, absolutely. So what what did your research, how, how you know, what would, is it that you specifically focused on when you was doing your sort of um, due, due, due diligence, so to speak? Sure. So first off was trying to figure out, at least for me, uh, what it was that I did. What, what helped me in this? And um, I don't know if you know how to swim, but I know how to swim. And if someone asked me, well, do you cup your hands when you're 90 degrees past your arm or what angle do you like? I don't know. You just swim. Hmm. Um, that's sort of what it was for me. I didn't consciously say I'm going to do X, so Y, then Z. But what I would do is that I would go out, I would chat up ladies, get phone number, make out, go home together, whatever it was. And then afterwards, look at it and say, what, what was it? What exact things did I do? What did I say? Why did I say it? Why did I talk to them? Did I say something different to them than I would to anyone else? And I sort of kind of reverse engineered uh, what it was that I was doing for, and kind of getting the brain to slow down. For instance, if a guy looks at a girl and is like, oh, that girl looks cool. I want to go talk to her. The brain already did about 100 calculations unconsciously. Where are they? Who are they talking to? What's their body posture like? What do they look like? What does their dress and style say? What are they eating? Where are they going? All of those things your brain does in a quick second. So I wanted to learn how to actually kind of slow that down uh, so we could understand what we were doing uh, and 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 try to uh I guess go, go on from that. And one of the things that I've realized is that getting a phone number, getting a girlfriend, having sex, getting into a relationship, these are all side effects of being an interesting type of person that draws people to you. So the first and quickest mental switch and thing that I had to do in my coaching and as I do for my coaching is that the goal, a goal is something that's out of reach. And if you take women or men, or getting more dates as that goal, you're unconsciously putting those men or women on a pedestal above you. And if they turn around and look down at you, that's not the type of person that they want to be with because they're busy looking up at the next person. So the quick, uh, quickest and biggest mental switch is to turn yourself into the type of person that draws people to you. That way you're not going to be the one that's being needy and chasing after somebody. Um, you're going to be the one that catches other people's eyes and they're going to want to find out who this guy is. Yeah, I, I absolutely can relate to that. You know, that it starts with yourself and the inner work and being aware that you are worth it. You are deserving. You are enough and valuing it and absolutely living as, as though that is absolutely the truth. Yeah. And it's it. <laughs> so here's one of the things that makes it difficult for uh uh, for men, if a woman gets uh, uh, gets her hair done, looks fabulous, she goes out shopping, uh, random shopkeeps can just be like, oh, girl, look at your hair. It looks amazing. Uh, then she goes out to meet her friends. Oh, wow, look at you. It's fabulous. Oh, my God. These are called affirmations. Women get affirmations and validations through strangers and friendships almost every day, or at least have the opportunity to every day. The only people that men get affirmations from traditionally are their mothers <laughs> or their significant others. Right. Which is why it get, you hear these, you know, weird, you know, things about how men look at women and, and because this is all we get. We don't get affirmations from our, our male friends, which is 
unfortunate, and it's something I'm trying to work on uh, as well, too, with, with both men clients and, and males in general. But so when you have the, the only way that a men can get these validations is through the women, it puts a lot of pressure on them to, to have to go find it, to see what their own self-worth is. So if you are a person that has a few tweaks that hasn't been tweaked yet, and you're having trouble connecting with women, not only are you not getting any validations, any affirmations, but you're getting exactly the opposite. You're getting, you know, what can be soul crushing rejections over and over and over and over again. And that starts to make you feel that you're not good enough, that you're not worth it, that there's something wrong with you. So exactly like you said, part of the, part of the goal is to, to, to work from within, which you know, a lot of guys just want memorization and quick tips and things like that because they're more logical thinkers. And I want, this is the solution that I want. So give me the answers to get there. And it does take a little bit more work. Some people are definitely excited to get there and do the work and others just expect showing up to meet with me one hour a week is going to suddenly turn them into an amazing person without any more work on their behalf. Yeah, and that, that's that's quite sad, really, because we you know we've all got this inner potential, regardless of what we look like, um, regardless of our our size, um, what our previous conditioning's been, what any adverse experiences have been, we've all got the potential to attract a great partner, haven't we? Yep, yep, absolutely. It's and it's another thing too. I've got a master's in marketing, so I come from the marketing angle many times too, and that we are all a brand and we are competing against other brands. If you want to kind of cut it down to the, the quick and every brand has something different to offer. Um, and if you feel yourself that there's some area that you are lacking in, you are shorter, you are heavier, you are older, you are, are less attractive in your own head, then it would behoove one to start adding something in another area, in another category to help uh, build your brand. What is your competitive advantage? Why is this woman going to go with your brand over all the other brands? And one of the things I do have to say, I do appreciate the fact that women are a little bit more generous on the physical looks yes. than men tend to be sometimes too. Yes. And this is the thing that I think men a lot of men think that they need to become Tom Cruise or The Rock or Vin Diesel or something like that. <laughs> when especially in New York City, a good solid normal is all that anybody is really looking for. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. And, and I know what you mean about, you know, men being more visual creatures than women, because I think women generally, like you say, are cut men more slack because they are more open to um, actually experiencing how a man actually makes them feel. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's not going to not play into it, but it's, I say it's more, one of the things that I coach men, there's four things that I say that men have to give women, that women are looking for men. And we can get into that too. But one of them, uh, it's not looks, but it's image, you know, it's, which, which has an element of looks to it, but it is not dependent upon looks. For instance, if you have a pimply 19 year old scrawny teenager with a, with a, a baggy tank top on, no one's looking twice at him, but you give him a set of drumsticks, put him, put him behind the drums and up on a stage, all of a sudden his image has changed and now he is looked at differently. 
nothing has changed on the looks, but a lot has changed on the image. That's a great example. I love that hunt. Brilliant. Really good example. Yeah, well, there's, and I, you know, one of the things I tell my guys is like, yeah, you, you, so many of the times you look, walking on the street, you see a pretty woman and you're like, wow, look at her. And then you look at the guy next to her and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, what has he got? So it, 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 um, it does make it easier for us to be able to add things to us that can, um, uh, make us more valuable to to women. I absolutely 100% get where you're coming from with that. So what 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 are your um, views on um, how masculinity is perceived? Because I was having a conversation with somebody um, a couple of weeks ago about how masculinity now um, is perceived by many men as being negative and they're almost afraid to show that they're masculine because they, they sort of compare it to the unhealthy masculine. And obviously there is an unhealthy masculine around, you know, being too aggressive, possessive and controlling. But there's also the healthy masculine, which is what really what women are looking for and really want, you know, and that, that chivalrous, protective, assertive man is, is what women are looking for. But I think men are sometimes a bit confused as to what women want and, and what, what do they need to portray? Well, at the at the risk of overgeneralizing, I think women themselves are trying to have a little difficulty in figuring out what they want. Um, only because, so if you sit down and you and you ask a woman, like, what what type of guy are you looking for? You'll hear things like, "I want someone that's sweet and caring and kind and thoughtful," and the guy says, "Okay, great, I'm going to strive to become that." And then a guy in a Harley Davidson motorcycle pulls up, and what happens? The girl jumps on the back of it and takes off. <laughs> the guy is sitting there so confused because not I. you told me what you wanted. I strove to become that. Not only did you not choose me, but you chose someone that was 180 degrees different from what you told me. So now the guy thinks that either the woman is confused, the woman was lying to him, or she was just a stone cold bitch. And none of those are true. It's just that when a man asks a woman what she's looking for, she answers logically. But women are driven by their emotions. And when someone comes into play that affects their emotions in a large way, that trumps a lot of the logic. So it, it, I see a lot of these guys just sort of give up because they can't get a straight answer. Um, and when they get a straight answer, it's not really the right answer. And then you've got, um, it's metrosexual, it's lumbersexual, it's alpha male, it's sensitive man, it's dad bods, it's, it's the rock bods. Every month, it's something different. So the, the men are just getting so confused that they don't understand what women want in general. And then when you have the movements like Me Too, which are needed and necessary because they're so nuanced and men don't necessarily have as much of the emotional intelligence as women do, they can't understand what they are and are not supposed to do. And I know that it is always in, in the minorities, but when you hear these um, women making false rape claims or false sexual assault allegations, it scares the hell out of men. Yes. And there's, there's a fear that if I go up and, like you said, try to be this assertive, uh, take charge kind of man, and she isn't having it, she could conceivably make an accusation 
completely baseless that just the accusation itself completely ruins the man's life. And a lot of men are looking at that and saying, you know what, I'd rather just not even deal with it. So I'm, I'm removing myself from the equation. Have you heard of the, the I guess, new phrase MGTOW? No, I've not, no. M-E-T-O-W, men going their own way. Basically men that feel that they don't need a woman to complete them. There's obviously so many issues at hand within this. Yes. But they're, 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 they don't understand how it's supposed to go. They're scared that they could uh, be caught up as collateral damage and they just don't want to deal with the mental anguish and, and constant soul crushingness of being rejected. So they instead reject the women and say that they're, you know, going their own way. So, and then you have the incels. Are you familiar with that phrase? No. Incels are involuntarily celibate. Basically people that can't get women. Mm -hmm. Uh, It boils down to basically that they see women as resources and because they do not get access to them and they think that they are the smart and intellectual ones. Thus the others, the ones that can get the women are cretins and neanderthals and assholes and so in their head they see the women that they can't get access to going out with men that they deem lesser than themselves wrongly Mm. Um, and so then they start to get militant and basically use psychology to protect themselves i'm going to reject and lash out at these women first to protect my own fragile ego from getting rejected on its own um and this, this is on the rise as well, too. It's just men that just get vicious, very vicious. Uh, and it's just sad. Yeah, it, it is a shame because I know that, you know, there is a an unhealthy masculinity which tends to attract, uh, you know, the unhealthy femininity in women, which is the, the more submissive, needy, desperate woman. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, and I just wanted to jump back, too, because I realized I didn't kind of address the topic of the, of the masculinity. And it's like yes. also because what is masculine changes we're still pulling away from the, say, the masculinities of our father and grandfathers, the 1950s of the stoic man that is large and in charge and, and makes all the decisions. And so a lot of these men saw that sort of masculinity and didn't subscribe to it and wanted to try to find their own version of masculinity that they could adhere to. And you see a rise in fedoras because they see the Humphrey Bogart 1950s characters of, of, of masculine men, of the old you know, film noir detectives. Oh, that's a masculinity that doesn't involve sports and athleticism. I can see that. You have the chivalric, uh, sh- you know, chivalry thing where women are, men are walking around tipping their hats going, milady, because they see the masculine form of, say, the Middle Ages of the chivalry, of doing these above and beyond things for women. And there's a whole other side of like the katana, ninja, samurai sword loving men because they see that code of honor within the Japanese feudal system as a form of masculinity as well too. So you get this weird jumble of everyone trying to figure out what is masculinity? How do I do it? What is what is the, the best way to to do it? Because it is nuanced. If you... You know, a man walks in, done correctly, throws his chest out there, you know, you know, walking through a crowd, puts his hand on the one, excuse me, you know, and just slowly comes by, and she gets thrills doing that. But a man 
you know, if you say do that to a man, some 400 pound man in a sweaty t-shirt comes by, grabs a woman and is like, move it, thinking <laughs> that's what it is. And that dude's going to get arrested. Yeah. So it's very hard to try to, you have one school of thought that says every single moment needs uh, a consent. Can I kiss you? Can I feel your breast? Can I take off your pants? And each one has to have uh, a verbal assent in order to move forward. Whereas nobody ever would actually really want that in a sexual encounter. They do want to feel safe, but they do, that, that would kill all mood. So again, they're being told one thing, but they want um, them to react in a different way. So again, it can be confusing for guys. Very much so. I've, yeah, it's, it's such a shame because like you say, you don't want it to be the case that the guy has to feel he has to ask for consent, you know, for every step towards intimacy because that, like you say, destroys the spontaneity, destroys this, the in-the-moment, you know, attraction, doesn't it? <laughs> it's more like... The the chemistry, the slight edge of fear, the, you know, ooh, this is exciting and new and I wonder what's going to happen. That's what builds chemistry. You know, that's that's emotions. That relationships are emotional. And when you try to turn it into this logical consent forms, it... <sighs> it doesn't necessarily work that way. No, no, I understand what you're saying. And it's very sad. And, you know, um, you know, I did and do, uh, uh, I'm very aligned with the Me Too movement because, you know, I am one of those people, you know, that, that, that can say Me Too. But what I don't like about it is, you know, a lot of people and a lot of women, uh, you know, have become man bashers and man haters within organizations like that. Yes, yep. Exactly. And it was confusing to men to begin with. Yes. Men-women relationships. And then adding this extra layer of fear to it, it's unfortunate that it's going to make it more difficult for women. Um, it's a needed movement, and I'm very happy that it happened. It's just it makes it harder for men because they are being more confused about what the role is, especially speaking of roles the changing roles of men in, in the world. It used to be, no matter what you were, as long as you could be a provider, you, you had a role. You yes. had something that you were bringing to the table that even if you were a, 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 an emotionless robot, if you were the provider, you felt you were fulfilling your role. Mm. Now, as that role of provider is not necessarily needed as much, men are struggling to figure out what their role is. So to any of the women out there too, I, I want to tell you, let your man know what his role is in a good way. Like, honey, I don't care that you don't make as much money as me. You make me happy every time I come home. You are someone that I can turn to for support. You are someone that makes all of the, the world's evils um, disappear when you're in my arms. When men understand where their role is, it, it helps them to, to feel more centered and to feel more uh, an equal part of the relationship because now men are thinking, you know, women can have babies without us. Women can have jobs and support themselves without us. So what, do, what are we? What are we for anymore? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And I think, you know, um, men can equally be uh, providers even if they're the stay-at-home dad, you know, they can still have that masculine role of feeling like they're the provider, you know, if, even if it's 
you know, a bit of a role reversal to what used to happen years ago. And they become the main stay at home parent. And the woman, you know, goes out to work and earns some money and she can be just as feminine in that role, you know, being the, the person that's bringing in yeah, some income. That's great. As long as, like we said, like I said, men aren't as emotionally intelligent in general as women. And so sometimes, and again, we don't get our affirmations from anybody, but the women in our life. So may need to, to, to vocalize it a little bit more of, you know, thank you for, I appreciate what you do for this. Um, you know, thank you for helping us out. Could not do it without you. Help to let them understand where their, where their place in the relationship is. Definitely. I think definitely women do need to be educated more around that men do need that validation. I think men, uh, for me, from my research and experience, want, you know, that respect. They want that appreciation. Um, like you said, that external validation that they're doing a good job and making you happy. Uh, and women generally just want to be heard <laughs> yep. and, you know, made to feel like you, you're keeping them safe, secure and uh, loved. There was a... Um... There's a book that I've just read called Unconditional Respect, um, which I like because it says in relationships, we're taught to give each other uh, unconditional love, but we're not taught to give each other unconditional respect. And a study was done asking men, would you rather be respected by everyone and loved by no one or loved by everyone and respected by no one? And 75% of men said they would rather be respected by everyone and loved by no one. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah. How important respect and feeling respect is to a man. And so if we don't get that validation, just, you know, even a simple, like, thank you for working so hard. Yes. You know, things like that. You know, the, the extreme example of that would be the, the henpecked husband, mm. the, the strong woman that orders her husband around uh, everywhere. And because he's been taught happy wife, happy life. So, he doesn't do anything to to try to think about himself and the woman gets all the things that she wants the way she wants it but in reality that's not what she wants out of life most likely no on an equal that is as strong as her and can bring the same powerful energy to her um I agree. You know, you, you don't find, I, I once once told that a woman will never, if she's in control of that relationship, she'll never have passion for the man. And I can very much say I've been in that relationship that was like that, um, you know, with my ex-husband, uh, bless him, you know, a lovely guy, great husband, great, great uh, father for my girls. But, you know, I was totally in control of that relationship on the back of my previous trauma that I went through. Because, you know, I, I just felt like I needed to keep myself safe and feel protected. Uh, yep. So, you know, um, understandably, until I got educated, I just wanted to be able to be in control of everything. <laughs> and uh, he allowed that, you know, but that wasn't attractive to me. Yep. And this is a thing that works for both sexes. But just as we're speaking about women at the moment, a woman wants things the way that she wants them. But if she gets everything that she wants, then that becomes predictable and there's no excitement or unexpectedness in life. So if a woman gets everything that she wants in life, that is not what she wants. No, I agree. Um, but it's a very difficult thing to teach because obviously 
a woman can say, so you're saying that a man should give, should deliberately not give us things that we want. It's like, sort of. Um, but if we all, like, if your favorite food is lobster, if you have lobster every day, you're going to get sick of lobster. Mm. You're going to want McDonald's one day, you know, and, and not having, what I teach my clients basically is when women say they don't want drama, they lie. But what they mean is that they don't want bad drama, but there is a way to create positive emotional drama. And that's one of the things that I try to get my men to do because men like things more so in a logical way in patterns. And as you probably know, and most of the women out there that are listening, most relationships end with a whimper and not with a bang. Um, things get predictable, boring, nothing to look forward to, no love, no respect, no sexual desire anymore. Um, so men, you know, we have to step out of the, the patterns that we're used to and be able to bring in things that are unexpected and emotional into relationships. And the only way that you can do that is by being unpredictable and, and unexpected. And that means literally unexpected to get what you don't expect. And if the woman gets everything that she expects and wants, there's no unexpectedness. There's no emotion anymore. So there's, you know, it's not like do this and then this will be perfect. Um, it's trying to find ways of bringing in that uh, positive emotional drama without, without it being negative. And that's all, such a fine line. The way I explain it, Hunt, and I don't know if you've heard of um, this or whether it comes into any education that you coach, but I explain it that we all have masculine and feminine energy. Yep. Yeah, um, but in opposite sex relationships, usually your more dominant energy is the same as your gender. It's not always the case, but usually it is. So in women, their more dominant energy is the feminine energy. And in men, their more dominant energy is the masculine energy. And the more polarized those energies are, the more attraction and passion you'll have. It's when we try to be more like men and and men allow that by becoming a bit more you know, using their feminine energy more. In other words, I was using my masculine energy on the back of, um, you know, uh, when women step into the masculine energy, it's usually because we're trying to be like men in terms of the way we've been educated to uh, succeed in the workplace or because... What what works in the workplace is usually a lot of that masculine energy, risk-taking, assertiveness, things like that. So women see that they get success in this area of their life. So try to use that same pattern yes. in their relationships. And it definitely does not work the same. No. And so, you know, th- th- this is what was happening with me is that, you know, on the also women default in their masculine energy to protect themselves. So if they have been through uh, trauma, heartbreak, hurt, yep. you know, sexual violence, whatever, they will, you know, learn to live more in that masculine energy as a, prote- you know, a default protection energy if you like and not even realize that they're in that you Mm -hmm. know until they're educated around it and so you've not got the polarization so much in in a relationship if you're more you know staying in that masculine energy because the man will either be um a strong masculine energy and you'll have more conflict because he'll feel there's another male in the room with you or he'll be like my ex who will step more into his feminine and you won't be as attracted to him because, you know, you're the one that's wearing the trousers and there's yeah, no polarization. Women say sometimes, like, I want a man to be sensitive and I'd love it if he wasn't, you know, this uber masculine guy. And so they hear that and tap into their feminine 
and then hear, well, you're not manly enough, you know, or, or you, you seem like a sissy now. And again, super confusing. I, I, I found that the more, so I like to cross stitch. I've made a wonderful little thing for my daughter for her birth. Uh, I also like to build furniture and, and break into old factories and rip out pieces and salvage them and turn them into furniture. That side is the super masculine, you know, literally breaking into a factory with tools over my shoulder and dragging out an old dresser. Um, but because I'm, I, I'm able to kind of do this masculine that I enjoy, it feels like it gives me the ability to tap more into the feminine and, you know, do the cross stitch or the scrapbooking or things that I also enjoy. But I feel like if I didn't necessarily have this more masculine side of it, but I wouldn't feel as comfortable uh, tapping into to this side as well, too. That's, um, that's true. It's usually in, in, in the appropriate times, in the appropriate places. But certainly when it comes to intimacy, passion, attraction, you know, you want to have that polarization with the woman being at the most feminine and the man being at his most masculine in, in a healthy way, you know, because there is, yeah. as we've discussed, you know, unhealthy ways of being in those energies as well. Too, um, when I tell my female clients, men don't want to date a businesswoman. They want to date a woman that is in business. Yes. And women will bring the businesswoman. Masculine energy. Exactly, <laughs> to the date. Um, and when I say, you know, be more feminine, what they hear is dim your star. I'm like, no, no. Like They think they've got to be, be behave like a, um, an airhead bimbo, don't they? That's what they yeah, hear. Yeah, like, you know, don't, don't talk about how successful you are. Don't talk about, you know, this. Don't talk about how much money you make. No. I don't mean that at all, but you can move your businesswoman facet to the side and bring your femininity more towards the front. Um, it doesn't mean that it lessens who you are as a no. person. Uh, in fact, the more facets you have, like a jewel, the more brilliantly you're going to shine. Absolutely. You know, there's so uh, there's so many women that I've educated around this that have assumed beforehand that, you know, to be more feminine, like you just said, means being more like a, a you know, acting like a bimbo or, or somebody that's uh, or even a bitch, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, that or that somebody that's uh, not not intellectual. And it's not about that at all. <laughs> you know, no way. And, and that's what nope, they weren't getting. So yeah, very, very interesting. I mean, this is a sort of subject I could keep talking about forever. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it for millennia and still haven't figured it out. So there's a, a lot that we could unpack. Definitely. Well, I definitely would like to explore some of these other subjects, certainly as I know that you've um, done and what, what you teach is a mixture of um, some of the ologies that you were speaking about to me off air when we had a, a, a prelim chat a week or two ago. So um, just just um, mention what they are and then I'll make sure we arrange another interview to, to go into that in a bit more depth in another episode. What, like the four things that we're yes. looking for? Yes. So the, the first one is one that women usually know that they want and it's something they can ask for and that's confidence. Um, but... So many uh, articles and advice say be confident. They don't say what it is or how to become it. So basically the simplest form, uh, uh, simplest definition of confidence is the surety of your own decisions. 
So I try to tell, tell my men, and again, we've been brought up thinking happy wife, happy life. So what we might be confident in our decisions at work, we're not confident in our decisions in relationships because we're taught that our own happiness doesn't come into play or shouldn't come into play. So we will waffle on what we're saying, trying to figure out what makes the woman happiest and what we're actually showcasing is that we're not sure of our own decisions. So that, that's one thing. Then the second thing that women want is something they may not know that they want. And even if they know that they want it, they can't ask for it. And that is leadership. Kind of what you're saying, the take charge attitude. And if you if a woman asks a man, like, I want you to become more of a leader, and then he becomes more of a leader, he just followed. So didn't even become a leader. So even if women know that they want it, they can't ask for it because it's a catch-22. And then we talk about what is leadership. There's physical leadership, making the phone calls, choosing the places, picking them up, opening doors, things like that, all valid things. And then there's emotional leadership, learning how to lead a conversation, learning how to lead the energy out on a date, learning how to lead the sexual progression as the, uh, as the relationship goes on. Again, important. And then the third one was image, which definitely comes into play. I'm a fashion writer, fashion editor myself. So fashion always, image is interesting to me. Basically, then we have to decide what is image. And basically, image is how you want the world to perceive you. Uh, and you can have fun with it. If I dress up in a, in a sports jersey and sneakers and warm-up pants, you're going to bring up sports to me because my image says I like sports. Hmm. If I wear a tweed uh, jacket with leather elbows, facial hair, wire room glasses, and I'm smoking a pipe, you might bring up philosophy because that's what my image says. So we have control over it, and we can have a lot of fun with that as well. But basically, look into the mirror and ask yourself, what does my image say to me? What If I saw myself, what would I go up and talk to myself? Would I be interested in who this person is? And then the fourth one is a word that we hear all the time, but it's become so overused, we don't really know the root of it, and that's power. And power is in no way uh, domination. No. There's in no way stubbornness or anything like that. The simplest definition of power is the ability to influence your environment. We can do that in small ways by planting a tree. We can do that in large ways by running a company. But power is also one of those nebulous things that if you think you have it, you have it. If you don't think you have it, you don't have it. Eleanor Roosevelt famously said, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. I agree. <laughs> choice, really, about how we want to view power, but because we don't know what makes it up or how to bring power to ourselves. We don't know how to, you know, show that we have power and all of these things, you know, like you say, like looks, you go out, you get a makeover, you look better the next day, but image that takes more work, power, leadership. These things take, you know, steps. And that's again, where my teaching comes to try to break all of these things down into small achievable goals. So not only can they be understood, they can, they can be uh, worked on, uh, improved, and if not mastered, then at least um, have the competency of as many tools as possible. Yeah, to give people that progression, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, Hunt, we're running out of time, so I'm going to have to definitely uh, make sure I get you on as, as a guest in the future again. But in the meantime, if people listening want to get in touch with you, what, what's your best email or website or social media contact that people check out my website is huntforadvice.com uh, you can also find hunt for advice on twitter hunt for advice on um, very Facebook. clever 
the name worked well for marketing purposes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I originally actually was going to call my company Hunt for Answers, but then I realized that I don't have any answers. All <laughs> I have is advice. So that's great. And uh, what I'll make sure of as well that. Um, Within the show notes, we've got your bio and your contact information as well, so that that can be reinforced and looked up at the uh, end of the show, should you have not caught Hunt's information there. So just leaves me to say thank you ever so much, Hunt. I found that really interesting and lots of great tips and advice and information in there for our listeners. So please... um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to make a, a, another schedule to have you back on and talk about, you know, different a different subject around relationships because I found that really great. Definitely. I'll, I always love to talk. I will always love to overshare with you. <laughs> well, thank you very much again. It was lovely speaking to you. And for today, folks, remember, always love with an open heart. True love starts with opening your hearts. On that note, I'm going to close the show for today. And until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.